Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. Every single time I prayed about it, I just felt like you need to leave. You need to drop out of school. I was like, what the heck? I am not dropping out of school. This is crazy. It would not go away. That feeling would not go away. So eventually I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a leap of faith. That that was my hinge moment. I'm going to try it and let's just see what happens. So it was a very hard conversation with my coach and um, I ended up leaving school, completely dropping out. I only had a year left, you would think that I would finish college, but I didn't. It was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. This podcast is brought to you by LiveMomentous.com. Leading the way in human performance is Live Momentous. For listening today, you get a discount at checkout. Enter the code DRB20, that's DRB, the number 20, for 20% off your order. Live Momentous, optimize, Perform, recover. Our guest today on the Mental Toughness Podcast is a professional golfer. She has done announcing for Golf Channel. Um, she's an influencer, co-founder of For the Girls Golf. She's an Indiana State Am champ. Um, all around, just incredible person. Glad to have her today. Our guest is none other than Kaylin Henderson. C Hendo twenty three is her handle. Uh, Kaylin, good day to you. Hello. Thank you. That was quite the intro. Thank you. <laughs> so we just sponsored some uh, golf content together. And yep. I mean, I think it was, it set some records in terms of like, it was viewed like the most ever, like on Instagram. It was pretty good. It was pretty, it was pretty good. Yeah. We had fun doing it too. <laughs> it was fun. Like what, what, um, what, what's your favorite kind of content then to like post, like when it comes to like the, the things like we were doing, right. I mean, we were trying to do, content that's going to help other people. What's what's the favorite kind of content for you? Well, just like you said, my favorite type of content is first of all, just being very genuine with everything. So if like, I'm a quirky person, I'm kind of weird sometimes. So when that comes out in the video, like I love it, but it's mainly to help other people. Like whether that's golf tips, you know, the worship Wednesdays, things like that. I just, I like helping. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I think, cause I, t- I told you this when we were filming, like that, the part about your um, persona, your brand, however you want to say it, is I think your authenticity. You know, I mean, it's just you being you, um, really quirky, very funny, you know, but it has like, I mean, but it really has like meaning to it. Um, I mean, is that what you get most of the comments on in terms of, you know, I mean, people that don't know you are watching that and be like, hey, is this real or is this not? But I mean, that is authentically you, isn't it? Oh, completely 100% genuine me. And it's funny because like when I kind of started to enter in the social media world, a lot of people told me you're going to get so many hate comments, negative comments. And I was just expecting that. I feel like I really haven't gotten a lot of negative comments because I'm just being me and I'm not going to apologize for being who I am. So it's like, I don't know how to even be somebody else. So it's just, you just got to be you. Mm Mm-hmm. Start us with your golf journey. I mean, you started when you were three years old. You're, you know, you had the pink outfit. You're waiting in the driveway. Your dad finally then takes you. When did 
you really, you know, fall in love with the game? I mean, it was really from the start with me. Cause I remember at three years old, you know, my dad would go, we would never go to the driving range. He would just take me to the putting green. We'd putt for like a Snickers bar or something like we, he always made it fun for me, which really helped. Um, and then I started playing in junior golf tournaments when I was about seven years old. And that's when it really took off. I mean, I truly love playing golf. And still to this day, a lot of people will, you know, they grind so hard that they become like, like, ah, I just don't like golf anymore. Just it's ruined for me. No, I love the sport. Just being out there in nature. It's, it's hard not to love for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were a couple of the memories that, that you had like growing up? Cause I mean, you had success early on. I mean, you were, yeah. you were a great amateur player. What, uh, what were some of those moments that's, that stand out to you? So I remember when I was a junior golfer, maybe around like eight, nine, 10 years old, I did the, um, the Pinehurst. So I did that one. Um, so I did that. That was incredible. Cause my dad was my caddy. What was it called? USGA kids, something like that. But yeah. that was an incredible tournament. Just being around all, people from all over the world at such a young age, that was pretty cool. And then just playing in the Indiana junior golf tournaments. I love the Indiana tournaments. I think they're awesome for kids just getting into the sport. So I have a lot of fond memories there. Um, One of my favorite tournaments was the Wagami tournament. And it was any person of any age could play. And there was one actually held at my home course at Bridgewater. And I was up against, I think it was someone who was maybe 30, 40 years old. And I was like 12 at the time. And It was, yeah, it was match play, which is, I think, the best type because with my game, I mean, you've definitely seen it too, where I'm pretty steady, 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 but then I have this one big blow up hole. And so that's why I like match play. It's only worth one. Um, But the Wagami was incredible because I'll never forget um, my dad was caddying for me. And then I had one of his friends, Doc Mills, caddy for me. And we went into overtime playoff holes. And it was on the second playoff hole where I, she missed the green. I put it on the green and I sunk it and I won. And it was just at 12 years old. I mean, that's pretty fun to do, you know? So that, yeah. I would say that's one of my fondest memories. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website drrobbell.com and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. So as you're going through the amateur golf ranks, um, you're in high school having success. What was that recruiting process with, with you like, um, you know, even going into college and, and playing college golf? Walk us through that. My recruiting process was very interesting because when I was younger, I was very stubborn, very closed minded. I did not, I was a big homebody as well. So I did not want to go out of state. I was like, you know what? I'm staying in state. I'm not even going to look at other colleges. This sounds terrible, but I had a stack of letters probably this big. I did not read one of them. Looking back on it, absolutely terrible of me, but I was so closed off and I only wanted to go to Purdue, like Purdue, that was my spot. And so then that was the only, um, college that I had my eyes on. And then that whole process where I ended up, did you know that I committed there? Did you know that whole story? No. Oh, really? That was, that's what I was hoping you'd tell it. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell it. 
<laughs> so I, like I said, only was focusing on Purdue because all of my golf buddies that they were playing there. So I ended up committing there. And that was my, give me a sec. I think that was my end of my sophomore year. And then I was committed there for about almost a whole entire year. Two weeks before signing, I get a call from the Purdue golf coach. And he said exactly this. Hey, Kalen, I really want to get another world-class player on my team. So I'm going to take your scholarship and drop it. It was, I almost had a full ride. I think he dropped it to like 20 or 30%. So it was a significant difference. And I, two, I was- Two weeks, two weeks before you were signed. Two weeks before I okay. was signed. And so, I mean, I, well, I, was, I think I was 16 at the time. I had no idea what to do. So I talked to my family about it and they were like, Kalen, if the coach right now is showing his true colors, like he did, you can't do that. You, you can't do that to someone, you know? So I said, okay. We got to reroute then. So I ended up decommitting from Purdue. And I remember I had a full ride to Michigan State. So that was another one that I actually went and visited that school because my parents, they said, you you better go visit another school. So I said, okay, fine. And so I called them up and I called Stacy. I'm like, hey, do you guys still have that spot? And once again, two weeks before signing, they said, Kalen, we just gave it away. Like yesterday, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I had no idea what to do. So at the time, Brent Nickerson was my coach, my swing coach, and he coached at UND. And he always offered me that full ride. Always, always, always. I had no other options. And that sounds bad, but I was in the right place at the right time. But I ended up committing to UND. And that's kind of how the story happened. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that because, I mean, people don't understand. It's like when that happens so close to a signing date, like everyone else has used up their their money. And even though, Hey man, we want Kalen, once you were committed for a year, there's, there's not much else that they can do. They're not going to hold a spot for you since you're already gone. So, I mean, that's, it's interesting how those events then kind of transpire. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that with, cause I, I didn't know, I didn't know how that, how that took place. Yeah. When you went to you, Indy, then talk about that experience and then, and then we'll, We'll leave it like right before kind of the hinge moment, but talk about that experience for you. Okay. So, I mean, my experience at UNDE, it was, it was wonderful. I went in as a freshman, I started playing immediately. And that's something that was actually really awesome about playing D2. We were a, we were a great D2 school for golf. I mean, we could compete against any D1 team, but it was nice just having that playing time because sometimes in other schools, you don't get the playing time. So I was out there every single week traveling with the team. So that was really awesome to experience at such a young age. And then um, I would say the main thing for me in college, you just develop a different type of like mental awareness. I mean, I put so much pressure on myself in college. I don't even understand why the leap from high school to college was so drastic, but in college, I developed the the putting yips where, I mean, I've talked to you about it. I would make contact with the ball and I would jitter. And I was like, what is going on? Like, I don't, I'm not nervous right now, but you're just putting this like subconscious pressure on yourself always because, you know, in college, a lot of times what happens is let's say if you don't um, have a good round or you kind of hit bad shots and you don't put a, a good score up. Yeah people kind of start to judge you by it and people start to judge you by your score, like your coaches and things like that. That, that part was not fun for me in college. Um, so that part I struggled with, but 
overall the experience at UND, it was awesome. The girls on the team made it worth it because mm-hmm. a lot of times you get so much drama and I just cannot stand girl drama. It's the worst. And I made a lot of good friends on the golf team. So that part was great, but the pressure aspect of college, it's, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, was part of that then you know, because with golf, it's a singular sport. It's just you. And even though like in high school, um, it's one part playing for the team, but did you feel then, Hey, there's a different type of focus, like playing for the team now, uh, added more pressure to you. I would say it definitely added more pressure because yes, golf is an individual sport and it always will be an individual sport, but I would say in college, they really push the team aspect at you, which is great and all, but I remember there was one time our coach said over every shot, you should be thinking this shots for my team, not for myself. I I had a really hard time with that because I'm like, well, the shot, like I'm doing it for myself, but then if I do well, it's going to impact the team. So like that was just a weird mindset for me to kind of start thinking of, because I think it subconsciously once again, put a lot more pressure on myself. Like this is for the team. This is for the team. Not like it's an individual sport as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In golf, is not the sport where you try harder, it's going to work. It, yeah. it goes real bad. <laughs> it goes real it bad. Absolutely the opposite. So yeah. then talk to us about um, hinge moment that really then happened in your life at that time. Yeah. So like I said, throughout college, it was a great experience. Nothing bad happens, but I just got to the point of, I can't, I couldn't even explain the feeling I was feeling. I just felt the need to leave. And I wasn't sure if I was going to transfer to another school, if I'd be happier or if I was just going to leave college altogether. So, you know, like my religion and my faith is very important to me. So I was just praying about it. Every single time I prayed about it, I just felt like you need to leave. You need to drop out of school. And I was like, what the heck? I am not dropping out of school. This is crazy. It would not go away. That feeling would not go away. So eventually I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a leap of faith. That that was my hinge moment. I'm going to try it and let's just see what happens. So, and it was a very hard conversation with my coach and, um, ended up leaving school, completely dropping out. I only had a year left. You would think that I would finish college, but I didn't. It was the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. Because when I, I moved home, um, right after that, and I started, you know, volunteering at my, at my church. I started, I became a youth minister. That was super important for me. My relationship with God, com- I mean, it just grew exponentially. And then my golf game, I started noticing my golf game was getting better because I wasn't putting so much pressure on myself. And we can kind of go into it a little bit more later if you want. But then when I, when I f- officially declared turning pro, I did notice I started putting that pressure back on myself. And we can talk about that um, more if you want, but the hinge moment was definitely dropping out of school. It was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that because I mean, it absolutely takes a lot of faith in order to, to do that. How did, um, what else did you notice? How did life change? Because now, I mean, your youth minister, obviously the, the golf is still important to you. I know like you still had pro aspirations even leaving college at that time, how, how, what else did you notice about life during that time? I just noticed, like I was, I had this inner happiness more because I think once again, with college, I put so much pressure on myself with everything. And I was studying something. I was a double major in graphic design and business. I was studying something that I didn't even like. (laughs) So 
I'm like, I don't want to work for someone. I don't, I just, I just don't like what I'm doing right now. And so that's when for the girls started as well, because I'm like, I don't want to work for someone. I want to be a positive impact for people. And I want to get girls into the sport. And so my business partner, Margaret Wentz and I, we were like, let's start a golf company. And we were like, let's just do it. So that whole year of when I left, we were like um, starting our business and, you know, getting all the fine details worked out. So that's something in my life that also drastically changed. (laughs) College dropout goes to, you know, a business owner now. So like that part was pretty cool for me to see. Well, we got to know, I mean, most of the successful business owners have been college dropouts. Um, you know, because there's a there's a confidence and determination that you have to have when you go out on your own and like there's no net, like it's just you. Talk yeah. to us about um, you know, because for the girls golf, it's it's fin- I mean, talk to us about that company. Um, because be the light is is part of like your brand. Talk to us about that. Yes. Okay. So first off, I'll say that I feel like a lot of people can be just inbox thinkers where they go to college, they, they get their degree and then, you know, they go work a desk job. That's not for everybody. I love like trade schools and just out of the box thinking. And so this company was that for me and we developed for the girls and it's a brand for young girls and women. So we just, on our Instagram, we post a lot of, you know, beginner golf tips and things like that, just so people can ease into the sport. Because when you first look at golf and if you go to a golf club or country club, you get intimidated. And that's what I've talked to a lot of women about. They always say, cause I'm like, what keeps you from playing golf? And they always say, I don't know what to wear. And I feel very intimidated when I get to a golf course. So those are the two goals that we're trying to like eliminate. So that's why we're going to start making cute golf clothes. So they know what to wear. And then just having that fun just positive attitude. And that kind of goes into our motto, be the light. You know, for me, it's religiously, you know, someone with someone else, it might not be that maybe it's like athletically or something like that, but you just always want to have this positivity flowing out of you, whatever that may be. Because my whole thing is you never know what burden someone else is carrying. So you always should be a light for someone because I mean, everybody's carrying a burden. You just don't know what it is. And so if you're always nice, giving compliments, positive, that's going to affect people, even if you don't think so at the time. Mm -hmm. Have you always been as positive as you are? Or is that parts of your life that you've always had to work on? Yeah. I mean, obviously I've had a lot to work on, um, but I've always just had this inner light that I just... I've always had in me and I've always kind of expressed that to people. Now I will say when I was younger, I was extremely shy. I wouldn't talk to people. And so people didn't really see that light come out of me because I wasn't talking. <laughs> so my parents had to force me out of my comfort zone. They always told me, you're only going to grow in uncomfortable situations. So they're like, we're going to give you uncomfortable situations where they would go send me to a random group of people and have me talk. That's super uncomfortable for me in the past, but now I've kind of seen like what they created almost, and I can go talk to anyone now. And like, that was super important for me. And like, they're just, they're just great parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've always admired about you is your laugh. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you have a fantastic laugh. And when you and, and your mom get together, I mean, it's just like a laugh fest. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Well, because when I hear her laugh, I laugh. And when she hears me laugh, she laughs. And together, like, we just sound like hyenas. I mean, <laughs> our laughs are just wild. And I remember some people would comment about my laugh in high school. And they're like, oh, it's so loud. I'm like, shoot, should I quiet down? And my mom said, never, never conform to people, Kaylin. That's your laugh. Don't try and, you know, change it. So I'm like, okay, we've got a hyena laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I love it. What's, uh, what has, what has been the challenge for you in terms of for the girls golf being an entrepreneur and and just in that realm? (sighs) I would say the main challenge is more on like the business side where, we still are very new to the business world. And like, we're, you know, restocking and things like that. Like we're constantly being sold out. So it's like, okay, maybe we should just order more or order more frequently. So it's like the business side of things and how many delays there actually are. We always thought like, oh, you order something and it comes in on time. That does not happen in the business world. Everything is normally late. And so we're getting the hang of it. But I think, yeah, more of the businessy side of it rather than like, the social side, because that's something that we thrive in. We love the social media side of golf. Mm-hmm. And what's the vision for For the Girls Golf? The vision is, yes, to have an entire clothing line and um, where people feel like very confident and comfortable in. But I think the main thing is just getting more women and girls into the game. Um, and we just want to, like I said, be the light, be positive for other people and make it less intimidating because golf can be a very stingy sport. And so we just want to make it fun. So it sounds so simple, but we want to make golf fun. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Part of your announcing, which is fantastic, the NCAAs, um, you were over there in France who were um, announcing for the majors. I mean, you talked about like this big leap in women's golf. Um, I mean, that's definitely occurring. Talk to us about that leap and, and what you've seen. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen a big leap in women's golf. And, you know, like I was just at the Amundi Evian Championship and the amount of money being like flooded into women's golf, it's huge right now. So, I mean, it's definitely up and coming and it's really, it was really cool to see all like the five-year-old little girl spectators. They look up to like Nellie Corder, Rose Zang, all those girls out there. Caitlin Anderson. (laughs) I don't know about that, (laughs) but I think it's really going to get girls into the game. Once again, making it fun. That's what's going to get a lot of people into the game, but there's definitely been a big increase in girls golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, um, in terms of like you're announcing, what's your sweet spot when it comes to, is it, is it the interviews? Is it getting them over there? Like, you know, we kind of spoke about it, but where's your sweet spot when it comes to actually like, you know, doing the announcing piece, what's your favorite part? Yeah. So it's funny. I just talked about this with my parents. Cause they were like, Kaylin, what do you see happening with this whole like golf channel thing? And I said, you know what? It's not the interviews. That's the sweet spot for me. Like I love talking to people, but that doesn't hit home for me. It's mainly when I am on the course, like inside the ropes, talking about their shots, you know, um, because I'm a golfer myself. And so I can relate so much to them. And I saw this one girl and she was for, I forget what television thing it was for, but she was on the course, like kind of reading their putts, getting ahead of the girls and saying, oh, they've got like a left to right bender, 10 footer. That's something like on the course commentating, that would be my sweet spot. So the color commentating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Adding the the color to it. Yeah, exactly. Like that's fun for me. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I love it. With, um, so with you then being a influencer, right? Um, when did, when did you notice that that really started to take off? Yeah. It's so weird. Like the, I've never called myself an influencer before. It's just a weird name for me. I could, I could I use would... a different term. Is there a different <laughs> title? Okay. Yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but I mean, but I if it, I... but if there's an influencer, that is you. I, you know what? I guess my job, I want to influence people in the right way. So yeah. Okay. Influencer. Anyways, I would say that here's what the thing, here's how I think it took off. A lot of people will go into the mindset of, okay, I want to grow my following. And they focus so much on growing, growing, growing. That was the complete opposite of me. I was just like, having fun, you know, taking the videos on the course. And I was like, having fun editing and I'd post them, not expecting anything in return, like nothing. And then I think that kind of goes into like the authenticity part. It just started growing naturally. And I wasn't even trying to actually, I wasn't even trying to build a following. It was just happening. And then I noticed I started getting some traction after like four ish months. I'm like, okay, like this could be kind of fun. So I kept going more and more in depth into it. And then it just kind of exploded. Um, it was, it was, it's a very weird feeling. It really was. Yeah. Was there like one video that just really took off? I do remember one video. I think it had like over a million views or something. And I was at my home course at Bridgewater and it used to be a tree farm. So there were like these rows of trees, like complete straight rows of trees. And I took a four iron and I hit a stinger through the trees, like completely straight. That one took off crazy. It's just like the the most random videos that take off. And I think it was because that was more of like a short video. So that one really took off. It was just kind of mm-hmm. cool. But that was a big one. Yeah. The one that I liked was um, when you were trying to play a hole, like right before the big storm came oh. through. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember being sort of close there and I remember like that storm coming through. And I was like, oh boy, she just did content when that was coming through. Impressive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to go play random course and I played a woodwind, which is where we used to practice for high school. I'm like, oh, this would be kind of fun. So I went there and I noticed it was getting kind of gnarly outside. And my mom was with me at the time. She went back to the car. <laughs> she was like, I'm out of here. So she went back to the car. I stayed. I put my, you know, my stick in the ground recording. And then like that storm was coming, but I'm like, I just, let's just try and finish the hole. I couldn't. Yeah. It got bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I had to get off. <laughs> That was a fun one, though. Part of your content is Worship Wednesdays. Yes. And even when we were talking, you were like, I don't care whatever happens. That's going to be the content that I still always do. Um, talk to us about just your inspiration for that. Where do those ideas come from and and sharing that transparency? Yeah. So once again, I, we'll go back to the influencing part. So I want to be a positive influence for people. Social media can be so negative and it can be used for a lot of bad stuff. But I'm like, no, like I, I want to make a difference. This platform is here. So why not use it for the right reasons? And so God is very, very important to me. And I just noticed that a lot of people on social media, they're just getting very far away from God. And like they talk very poorly about him. And it really like it hurts me. So I'm like, I want to be positive. Let's do something called Worship Wednesday. And so once a month, I'll post a Worship Wednesday and I'll just talk about, it can be like a couple Worship Wednesday ago, I talked about drinking, stuff like that. Or I'll talk, I'll go more in depth into the Bible and things like that. But just 
topics that a lot of people deal with, but they're afraid to talk about. And so those are the topics that I really like getting into the stuff that people don't like talking about. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but it's very, very important to me and I love it. And how has, um, it's just one of those things that it's very, um, people have their ideas of when it comes to faith and to try and change people's ideas about that gets really difficult. So it's like, even if you say Christian, you think of, okay, well, this is somebody that's perfect, never makes mistakes. Um, and so even bringing those things up, you know, bring up people's connotations with that. How has you just sharing your faith in worship Wednesdays, like, um, would have been some impacts and some things that you've seen like feedback from people? Yeah. So obviously there's some feedback where, I mean, it's super negative and they're like, oh my goodness, how do you believe in God? That's crazy. You're wild. And those are the comments that there's sometimes where I'll just ignore them, but there's other times where I'll actually comment back at them. Just something very nice, nothing like digging at them because two wrongs don't make a right. Anyways, um, I would say the main thing that I've realized is I didn't realize how much of an impact that I was actually going to have on people. The amount of messages that I've seen and that have been sent to me, you know, one of them, I remember they said, Kaylin, I've been watching Worship Wednesdays. I finally got back in church. My life is turned around. I'm like, little old me is making a difference. Like, that's just crazy to me that a video could do that to someone. But the amount of positive things that people have said, and they even have said, thank you for sharing these because people don't talk about this anymore. We're getting so far away from just being good. And so I've gotten a lot of positive messages. I mean, I was kind of surprised about it, actually. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of like your authenticity. And I think that's why, you know, in terms of being an influencer or content <laughs> creator, yeah. it's uh, you being authentic to your values, what you subscribe to, what you believe in. Um, people either can accept it or they can't, but there's no denying like who you are as an individual. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like you said, people can accept it. And that's the thing is, I'm going to be who I am. You can accept it. You can deny it or you can accept it. You can be like, man, I'm good, but you can't deny like, that's just me being genuine. That's Mm -hmm. that's all it is. So you can do whatever you want with it, but this is me and I'm I'm not going to change. (laughs) So I don't know how to. (laughs) With golf specifically, what are a couple of the favorite parts of playing? Favorite parts of playing. This sounds so cheesy. But one of my favorite parts is going out there actually by myself and just being out in like the open air in nature. It sounds so cheesy of me, but that's my favorite part because it can be so relaxing. My favorite times is when I'm going out there in the evening time at like 6 p.m. I'm just playing nine or 18 holes by myself. It's so relaxing to me. Um, like, and a lot of people, they'll find God in different ways. That's, that's one of the places where I really feel close to him just because I think I'm just like alone in my thoughts almost. Like I don't even have my earphones in listening to music. Like I'm just out there. So I would say that's one of my favorite parts. And then another one of my favorite parts is that it's such a challenging sport (laughs) and there's always room to grow in it because sometimes um, like golf is just, it's always changing. Your swing is kind of always changing. And so the challenging aspect. I love a good challenge. And so golf really gives that to me. Mm -hmm. You you talked about, so feeling God's presence out there, being close to God out there. Talk to us about that. Like 
what's that relationship like when, when you're just playing, you know, by yourself and God's. There? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll go out there and like, once again, I don't have headphones in. I, I'm not listening to any music. I'll just go out there and like have a, sometimes I'll just have a conversation with him in my head and like, we'll kind of go back and forth and I can just, you know, sometimes you don't always hear him like a thought pop in your head, but you can feel like sometimes I'll just get like goosebumps or chills on the course, or I just feel very calm. Like my heart's not racing or anything. I just very feel very at peace on the golf course. And I feel like that's kind of the connection point. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I, I, I've always shared, well, I haven't shared it. I'm going to share it now. Okay, good. I think golf is, is proof that God exists. Mm. And, the, and the reason why is because I really think like it's God's entertainment, like watching people play golf uh-huh. um, and not that it, because it is so difficult and not that he wants people to play bad or anything like that. But yeah, what happens whenever you hear somebody say, Hey, I got it figured out. Mm. They, they don't have it figured out. Like that's the mm-hmm. person that you want to bet. Right. Cause it's, it is such a difficult game. There's so much, that's in your control, but there's so much that's out of your control as well. And the only parts that you can really focus on are just committing to the shot, being able to move on. And then, you know, obviously the, uh, the facet about being outside and and being connected, but I just believe it's, um, when, when you really get into the game at a high, high level, it's proof that God exists just because of, you can't beat that game. That game is unbeatable. And hmm. there are so many times, I mean, just think about it. Like when it even comes to making a three foot putt, there's no easy shot in golf and how, um, how difficult that can be when, you know, we have so much pressure on us or like this becomes a half to make. It's just, um, that's the part where I look at, if you try to do this game on your own, it's, it's going to be a real lonely road. Like you have to have people around you that are going to support you. And that's where I look at God's role in that as well. That is super fascinating. I've never thought about it like that. And you're so right. Because like when I was younger, I was very individual. Like I wouldn't want anybody's help. I, this, this is funny. I remember I met with you when I was in early high school days or something. We had a session I was so stubborn back then where I didn't want someone's help. That sounds terrible, but now it's like, Dr. Rob Bell, I, I want everything. <laughs> I want everything. I want to hear it all. <laughs> so yeah, you, you need to rely on other people. And that's what I've also realized throughout the journey, but I really like that. It's good. Yeah. And then the other part is it is the most social sport that is out there mm. that it's nobody, nobody else really cares what you shoot. You know what I mean? It's, you know, and, but it is the connection like with other people. And if there's going to be, you, you play a round of golf with somebody, you find out exactly who that person is. Well, Oh, you know what? That actually is a great point because that's my other favorite thing about golf. If I like, that's why with like business deals and things like that, take them out to the golf course, or even if you're about to like, maybe go date somebody, I don't know. Take them out to the golf course. If they have an awful attitude, don't date them. <laughs> I mean, it, it shows a lot about someone's personality. Yeah. Yeah. So you you did mention um, even like turning professional, you started to feel more pressure on yourself. Walk walk us yeah. through. what. So what were some of those things then that you started to feel that was different from, hey, just playing normal golf? Yeah. I, there was a really big pivotal moment in my professional career. So I turned- Was it a hinge proud. moment? It, it was a hinge moment. Yeah. This is my second hinge moment, actually. Yep. Well said. 
<laughs> and so it was, I turned perfect. I turned pro and I went straight to Q school after that. Okay. So uh, it was at the end of August in California. And I remember going into it and especially posting about this on social media and stuff, you know, that's a pressure in itself actually, because all these people, they see you play good golf because you do when you're, you know, relaxed and things like that, but then you'll go into this tournament and that's when the pressure comes in. And so I was put, walking into Q school. I'm like, I, I, I'm going to qualify. I'm going to do, I'm going to come in the top 10. Like I had these expectations for myself, which I mean, I feel like you should have expectations, but not, just, I put so much pressure on myself. So I walked into the tournament, um, you know, warmed up really well. Everything was good. I got out to the course and I just like exploded. I think I was still, I think I shot maybe 76, 74, 75, something like that. Like it wasn't by any means awful, but I was so disappointed in myself after because I didn't qualify. And I'm like, where do I go from here? I mean, I just, I just like embarrassed myself. And these are the thoughts that are going through my head. I just, I'm an embarrassment. I can't believe I did that. Other people are going to think I'm an awful golfer um, because I turned pro and I'm not ready. All these things are going through my head. And I'm not kidding. The next day I was not myself. My mood was terrible. And I'm a very positive person. So that was weird for me. And, you know, my parents, they just saw like a very bad side of me, like very down on myself. I didn't want to do anything. And I had to snap out of it. So I prayed about it. I talked to my, my, my mom about it. And cause my mom, mama Hendo, she's the best. And she'll, she'll get you out of your mood. So talked to her about it, prayed about it. And it really, it popped in my head golf does not define who I am. God defines who I am. You know, something that you do, whether it's good or bad, that should never define who you are. Like, that's not you. I'm like, okay, my scores don't define me. That was a pivotal moment for me because before that, I did feel like my golf scores defined who I was. If I played bad, I didn't think people were going to, you know, like me that much. They were just going to think like I'm a fool. But no, that's not how it is. God defines who you are. And so a lot of people are like, okay, who does God even define you as? read the Bible and you will see, you know, you are loved, you are all these different things. And so that was the biggest moment for me. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, yeah, that's powerful. Did, did you notice like when you were playing when, um, and you had those expectations, what else did you notice that was different from when you just normally play around? Like, was there tension? Oh. Was there just more thinking? What was it? So I would be on the tee and I would always think of where I don't want to go. So I would be on the tee and I'm like, okay, I don't want to go here. So my body would really tighten up. And then I would like, cause normally the trouble was left. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't want to go left. So I would hit the biggest slice ever. I mean, big slice. And it was just things like that where your body, you know, when you're playing there for like out there for fun, you feel relaxed. You feel at peace. Your body's so flowy. You're not even you're not even thinking about the trouble whatsoever. You're just hitting the golf ball. And that was the biggest thing where I was thinking way too much. Like I was really aware of my surroundings and that's normally you just want to go in like a tunnel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I appreciate that. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today. 
Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at KukoRadio.com. Kalen, and I love this conversation, but what question um, should I be asking that, that I haven't asked? Hmm, trying to think. So we kind of went through like my pivotal moments and things like that. Um, maybe like how social media has actually helped me with my mental game. Yeah, I would say social media, it has helped me big time with my mental game because the social media side, fun. I, you know, you make it fun. You're out there having fun with people and you, you meet a lot of other like content creators and you have fun with them it really has taken the pressure off of me. And so going back to that pivotal moment with um, the hinge moments with golf and like turning professional and just putting that pressure on myself from that point forward, I said, okay, I'm no longer going to put or put pressure on myself. So I'm going to immerse myself in other things so that that's not my only thing. So that's when I, you know, the business also was ramping up. That's when I started doing more of youth ministry. I had Bible studies at my house. I'm in two of them right now. Um, and that's when like, I just started diving more into social media. So I had all of these different things where golf's not my only thing. I'm not relying on solely golf. So I have these other things that like, if something doesn't work out, guess what? I have a few other things that I can do. Mm-hmm. That has also been really helpful for me because with golf, um, I partner with Callaway and Adidas. Those are like my big two brands. And so like, I'll go to um, like brand golf tournaments and things like that. And they are so much fun. So it's taken all of the pressure off of me. So that's been wonderful. Yeah. And it's, it's not anything that I would have thought of. That's yeah. fantastic. You sharing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not something that I would have thought of either, but in that moment, I just felt it. So I did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So let's do the mic drop with GFG. Okay. Yes. Share with, share with us on that. Okay. So GFG, it's in my bio. It um, stands for God, family, golf. So that's my order of things. In that order. God, in that order. It has to be in that order because, you know, if that gets out of order, I think your life gets out of order. I really do. Because sometimes actually a lot of the times in high and like college and stuff, I was putting golf above God. Like I was valuing that a ton and not to say I still prayed every single day, but just like, it was a, sh- a shift for me. And so when that was happening, my life felt out of order. So that's why I'm firm believer in God first. That's where you should dedicate most of your time to and your thinking and then your family, your family is so important for you. They're going to be there for you. That's really important to me, especially my mom. I just love that woman. She's amazing. So she's been a big rock for me. And then golf comes third. That's really what it is for me. And in that order or else your life goes chaotic. Mm-hmm. I remember Don Essig, when we were playing together, he shared that with me. It was always GFG. Now he, he didn't use the acronym, but he would say, you know, golf. I mean, God, family, golf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I always remember that. So I love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That'll be my motto for my whole life. <laughs> Halen, thank you so much for for joining us and sharing and, uh, and really appreciate you and, and the influence and positivity that you share with everybody. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks for 
for listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.